RadioInfluence.com. Why, Crusher, it's good to see you. You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 101260 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. Welcome to another episode of Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Kershell, and we're your weekly source for performance information. Hey, if you want to reach out to us, do so. Our new Crush website is live. Go to jeffkershell.com or crushperformance.com. That'll take you there as well. But I'm really excited about the opportunities this brings us to share information. There's a lot of great new links there, a lot of great new options. And stay tuned as we launch our first Crush course for baseball coaches. We'll be attacking other sports as we go, but we're really set on helping coaches create coachable players, preparing your players for sport. That's what these courses are going to be all about. And they've sort of come by demand. I'm humbly saying, you know, we've done a lot of the video conferencing over the last two years through this COVID madness, and it's turned out to be great. But we're finding that there's just not enough time to share the information that's needed to really, really help your athletes achieve their goals. And here's the other thing. You know, we've talked about this a lot on the show. We need to collaborate between the levels of development inside of any organization. It doesn't matter whether we're talking about, you know, our elite professional athletes or our developing minor league players, collegiate, elite high school, or whether we're talking about just youth development and grassroots. There is a hierarchy and an ebb and flow and athlete development is a long game. And the only way we're truly going to help players achieve inside of their sport is to help them become well-rounded, accomplished athletes, the athlete first. So I'm really, really excited about these courses that will be coming. Let us be your performance director. Let us be your strength coach. Let us help you prepare your athletes for the game, for increased performance, reduced risk of injury, which is a top priority in every one of these courses and programs, but also help you create coachable players. Listen, most coaches are limited in their ability to help their players by the physical ability of those players. If the players can't physically do what you need them to do as a coach to help become better players in their sport, whatever it might be, football, soccer, basketball, squash, tennis, golf, if your players can't physically do what needs to be done in order to get better as a player, well, you're really, really strapped as a coach. And for athletes out there, to get a better understanding of what it takes to get ready and prepare yourself for sport, again, to, yes, increase performance, but ultimately reduce risk of injury so you can become more coachable, man, that's a dream of ours. And that's something we've been talking about for the last couple decades, certainly through this COVID age. And because of just all these conversations we're having with coaches and now presidents of organizations at every level of sport, well, we're going to put together these courses and they're coming. We're well, well into it. So stay tuned for that, but check out the new website and let us know what you, what you think. And then on social media, one of the things that's going to go along with this new website is a lot more video posting, a lot more 
uh, information posting. Probably Instagram's going to be a big one. Certainly our YouTube channel. We're going to go nuts on our YouTube channel. So if there's stuff you want us to investigate, if you have questions, if you need help with something, let us know. We'll help you directly for sure. And if we don't have the answers, I can guarantee to you we have somebody in our incredible network around this world of sport performance who can get us the answer. And just like we dedicate some of our episodes on our radio show and the podcast, as well as maybe a segment here or there to your ideas and your questions, we're going to dedicate videos. Because if you have a question, you can be guaranteed there are hundreds, maybe even thousands of other people out there with the exact same question. So as much as we like to get you guys thinking about things you might not be thinking about, the thing that I love is those messages you send us every single week. They get us thinking about something that might not be in our mainstream thinking right now or in our focus. But if it's important to you, I can guarantee it's important to us. So let's collaborate. That's this beautiful world of crush performance we've created together, you guys. And we're loving it. So look, the website's up. There's a lot more to come. Let us know what you think, okay? Today on the show, I've got to get back to one of the basics. We've had a ton of questions. I think it has a lot to do with spring sport. Look at everything that's going on in sport right now. Oh my goodness. Post-COVID for number one, we've got Major League Baseball underway. Season's kicking off here in the next in the next week or so. We've got March Madness. We've got the NHL. We've got the NBA. We've got golf. We've got tennis. We've got everything rolling. It's spring, baby, and we love it. Time to get back to the basics. One of the questions that we've been getting a lot here, and I'm going to pose this question to you, our audience. What is the most important factor in maximizing sport performance? This is a question I had early in my career as a strength coach and now as a performance coach and director of performance for athletes and teams and organizations all over the place. It's still a very, very important question. And it's something I present on and I've asked and I've been asked time and time again. This conversation's not going away. And thank goodness, because, you know, we often say in our programs, a problem accurately defined is already partially solved. We also break that down a little further. How can you possibly fix a problem if you don't really understand the problem? If you are stuck, if you're not performing at the level you want, if you're prone to injury, if you're just not getting the results you want, I wonder why. So when we break that down, you know, we try to get down to the simplest fundamental starting point. Where could this issue be coming from? And the question that seems to always pop out of this sort of a conversation is, what is the most important factor in maximizing performance outcomes? Let me give you some options here. When I presented to Major League Baseball at uh, winter meetings in 2018, This was part of my presentation that was called the recovery game, looking at recovery, injury prevention, maximizing performance. So I asked all of the experts and teams and organizations in Major League Baseball this very question. What is the most important factor in maximizing performance outcomes? I just wanted to see where everybody, everybody's mind was at. And here's the six options I gave everybody. Is the most important factor in maximizing performance outcomes physical preparation? the strength and conditioning, the therapy, the getting ready for sport? Is it competitive experience? You know, applying your craft in that competitive battleground of sport? Is it sleep and rest? Is it practice and coaching, practicing with your team and getting feedback from your coach? Is it nutrition and hydration? Or is it mental preparedness? Again, the six 
options I gave everybody was one, physical preparation. Is it competitive experience, sleep and rest? Is it practice and coaching? Is it nutrition and hydration? Is it mental preparedness? Is it a combination of any one of those things or a combination of a bunch of those things? Or is there something in there that just rules above all else? That's the question that we've been getting. It's also the question I ask when we're trying to get to the root of a performance issue. Because if this isn't covered first, really nothing else matters. So let's break it down. In order to really understand which of those six factors are truly responsible or more responsible than the others for performance outcomes, I think we need to reverse engineer where your athletes are at, where your team is at, where your organization is at, and find those bumps, find those hiccups in the system, find those areas that are really, really preventing you from reaching your potential. And for the most part, it's not physical preparation. We've got that down. Listen, you want to get faster, you want to get stronger, more powerful, more agile, whatever it might be, we can do that. There's not a lot we can't train. Even in the world of the, quote, intangibles, the attitude, the preparedness, the game knowledge, the perception, all that stuff, given the right resources and time, we can impact through strategic training. It's not the competitive experience because competitive experience is kind of the end, end of the road. That's what we work towards. So that's usually where we see the deficits. It's not practicing coaching because practicing coaching uh, are as important as they are. They're not necessarily the starting point uh, that's going to lead us to ultimate performance outcomes. Nutrition and hydration, well, now we're getting close. And if you listen to the show, you kind of know where we're going. Mental preparedness is certainly important, but it's not the end-all be-all. It's also sometimes not the starting point. We react more to mental preparedness currently than we are proactive. We need to get proactive. That's the crush brain game. That's what the crush brain game is all about. If there's one factor that we would deem most important for maximizing performance outcomes, it's sleep, rest, and recovery, period. That's where we start. When we see an athlete who's injured quite often or not performing or going into a slump, the first thing we look at is their daily routines, their consistency, and the emphasis and the status of their sleep and rest. Every single program should be designed around quality and quantity of rest and recovery, and sleep is king by far. So when we propose this to the 30 organizations in Major League Baseball, man, oh man, we had a real mix of answers. And I'm hoping that I was able to help out and clarify for a lot of organizations. But without question, when we look at helping our athletes really perform, both short-term and long-term, the most important factor is sleep, rest, and recovery. It impacts everything you do. It impacts your physical preparation, your strength and conditioning, your physical therapy, your rehabilitation. It totally impacts your ability to compete in those competitive settings. Practicing coaching, 100% influenced by sleep and rest. Nutrition and hydration are a close second. Nutrition and hydration can be used to enhance sleep, but without sleep, it doesn't matter how well you eat or how well you hydrate. You can't overcome the deficits and the implications on performance that poor sleep and poor rest will have. 
And then mental preparedness, of course, if you want to be alert, focused, you want to have great reaction time, great learning. If you want to be coachable, you have to get your sleep. So as we head into spring here and get ready for summer, let's get back to the basics. Let's get back to the crush number one priority in human performance and sport performance, sleep. Right after this quick break, we're going to visit with Crush Hall of Famer, Dr. Charles Samuels from the Center for Sleep and Human Performance in Calgary, Alberta. And we are going to outline the things you need to be thinking about when it comes to your sleep to optimize your performance, to optimize your recovery, to reduce your risk of injury, and just to be more healthy and alert in general. There are implications here that go well, well beyond sport, everybody. You know that, and I know that. And of course, with all of these conversations we've had through COVID, these video conferences with coaches, with athletes and players, with teams and organizations, with um, owners and GMs and administrators, it's been an absolute fascinating time for us because we really got some intimate time to better understand the things that we're facing out in the sporting world. Look, we know what we're facing with our athletes. We know the issues that our teams and organizations that we consult with are having. But it's really interesting to see all around the globe how consistent it is. And one of the biggest problems that we have is just overlooking the bedrock fundamentals of human performance in our programs. Once again, I know you guys are getting sick of hearing this, but you're going to hear it time and time again. These conversations, I truly believe, have to become part of our sporting culture. I don't care if you're running a major league professional team or if you're working with introductory grassroots parents and athletes. If we can start getting these conversations worked into our sporting landscape, culture, and environment, boy, oh boy, oh boy, we could literally push human performance to new levels. The top five priorities for athlete performance and development at Crush Performance right here, and they're written in stone right now, um, are as follows. Number one, sleep, rest, and recovery. If those things aren't taken care of, we got a real uphill battle ahead of us. Number two, nutrition and hydration. They're important, critically important. So let's make sure that that's taken care of. Then we have posture and range of motion for athletes to perform properly, to avoid injury. We got to make sure that their system is set up, their bodies are set up for success. We got to look at the one-sidedness of sport, the sport demands, and is that body ready to tackle that sport? And is that athlete ready to be coached? Again, coachability. And then we teach movement because boy, oh boy, if we can teach our athletes how to move properly, if we could teach them how to interact with the ground, you know, as an athlete, and then connect the dots with sports, multiple sports, hopefully. Boy, oh boy, we raise the ceiling of potential for that athlete. We raise their performance right now, but we also raise their ceiling of potential down the road, okay? And then, of course, the crush brain game is number five. And here's maybe the only caveat. I'm not quite sure the brain game has a solidified place in this five-priority hierarchy. Is it five? Is it four? Is it two? Is it number one before even sleep, rest, and recovery? Because listen, if you're anxious and stressed out, you're not going to sleep well. So in that particular case, we need to attack the brain game. We need to attack that individual and give them tools for coping and dealing with issues so they can sleep better. 
So I think the way we're looking at this now, and last year, of course, the brain game was one of our main themes, incredible conversations with experts from around the world. You can go back and listen to that on our new website. Uh, go, again, jeffcrushell.com or crushperformance.com. We've got all of these incredible guests that talk to us about the brain game. And isn't it interesting? The consensus on the brain game was the fact that we're just so reactive. And on the other side, though, we're maybe at the most exciting time in mental performance than we've ever been in the history of human performance. Because what we now know about the brain, and trust me, we have, we have a long, long way to go to truly understand the brain game and what it's all about. But what we're, what we're able to test, what we're able to monitor, we're able to map the brain now. There's technology that's allowing us to, to understand and map the brain like never before. But not only that, train the brain in real time, helping the athletes understand how to calm their thoughts, focus their, their cognitive efforts. And I'm telling you, this is going to change human performance. And it's not mainstream yet, but it's coming. So stay tuned. But I think the brain game is a floating factor, depending on the individual, right? I think we can comfortably say that sleep, rest, and recovery, that's a human thing. That's not an individual thing. That's a human thing. Nutrition, hydration, that's a human thing. All right. Now, if individuals have issues with those areas, we got to attack them. But in terms of setting individuals up for success, sleep is first. Rest and recovery is number one. Nutrition, hydration, number two. Posture, range of motion around joints, number three. Teaching movement, number four. Before we ever think about sports specificity, that's what we've got to attack. The brain game, however, some, some individuals might need to attack that area. And there's so many different areas to address there. That's a conversation for another day. We'll get to that. Let's do that in an upcoming episode. Let's outline, again, the brain game and what it's all about. But if an athlete, when they come into our organization and we screen our athletes, we get to know them, if we see issues that need to be addressed, we attack them. And if an athlete is quite competent and seems to be okay, then we get on with the game. We get into sleep, rest, and recovery. Make sure they understand. We check out where they sleep. All right, we check out their hydration, their nutrition. We talk to them about their posture and range of motion, and then we get into movement. And then our athletes are ready to get into the world of sport. All right, it's a beautiful conversation. Today, let's get back to the basics with Dr. Samuels. We're talking sleep. Get ready. This is going to be a doozy. Another sleep and performance masterclass with Dr. Samuels coming right up right after this on Crush Performance. Inside Tracker is a proud sponsor of Crush Performance. Listen, if there's one thing we know for sure, it's that no two bodies are the same. So when we start preparing our athletes for competition, we attack the individual and we always work from the inside out because what's inside is what counts. And this is where Inside Tracker can help. Look, we all know that you're unique. Your nutrition plan should be unique as well. People want to take charge of their health and wellness. They're working hard to do all the right things for their body to give them more energy, better sleep, a healthy immune system, and to improve their personal performance. Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to boost your metabolism, reduce stress, improve sleep, and optimize your health for the long haul. Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. And now you can connect Inside Tracker to your Apple Watch to unlock deeper, more precise insights into your health. With real time exercise, resting heart rate, and sleep data synced with your Inside Tracker plan, 
you can truly wear your health on your sleeve. Inside Tracker tracks your progress every day, every step of the way for better performance and better health. And I want this for you, your family, and your athletes. So here's what we're going to do. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash crush. Again, that's insidetracker.com backslash crush with a K and get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Discover your body's potential. Schedule a live demo right now at insidetracker.com. If you have any performance questions, comments, or smart remarks, text Crusher at 101260 and follow him on Twitter at Jeff Crush. Now, here he is, the Crusher. Look carefully, very carefully. You're getting sleepy, very sleepy, very, very sleepy. Welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Crushell. Thanks for tuning in today. If you want to reach out to us, get to us. The new website is up, jeffcrushell.com. You can still search out crushperformance.com. The email is info at crushperformance. Questions, comments, smart remarks, let us know. We love them all. Or if you need some help, you want some advice, if you have a problem you're dealing with, we'll do our very best to help you out. That's for sure. And we may even dedicate a segment or an entire episode to your idea because I'm telling you, you guys are getting us thinking about things we might not be thinking about as much as we, we're trying to get you thinking about things you might not be thinking about. So uh, please do get to us on Twitter. Follow me at Jeff Crush and on all other social media, including our YouTube channel, Search Out Crush Performance. All right, getting to our number one priority for human and sport performance today. We're joined right now by Crush Hall of Famer, Dr. Charles Samuels from the Center for Sleep and Human Performance. Dr. Samuels, welcome back to Crush Performance. It's so great to have you back on the show to talk about what is our number one priority in human performance. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Not at all. No, um, it's uh, always a pleasure to do this for you and the athletes, for sure. Yeah, well, it's such an important conversation, Dr. Samuels, and there's so much information I think people just don't get exposed to on a regular basis. So, you know, our show, and I'm kind of uh, humbly proud of this, you know, we've sort of become one of those references for athletes and parents and coaches out there uh, on topics exactly like this. And I'm not going to lie to you, that conversation we had about the influence of sleep, sleep science, and and how the brain acts when we sleep. That was like a master class type conversation to carry on with that, you know, just to maybe wrap up that conversation of what happens with the brain when we sleep. You know, I think one of the uh, real highlights of the conversation was just the basic general thought that, you know, uh, this, this, this sleeping time when everybody thinks things are shut down and, and just sort of relaxing in a dormant state, it is an incredibly active time in the brain and in the body, right? That's correct. And in fact, um, way back in the 50s and 60s, when sleep science became um, a formal investigative science, it was based on the electroencephalograph readings, um, actually in infants, between um, dream and non-dream sleep, which were actually labeled active versus non-active sleep and so that concept uh, which you articulate so well is that sleep um, was perceived early early on as a active process not a passive one and of course this was not the belief at the time you know certainly at the turn of the previous century uh, from a scientific perspective and so that was early work and it was shown from an electro um, physiological perspective to be a very busy active time and we still build on that now. 
Yeah. And you also mentioned, you know, in the 60s, the discovery of those circadian rhythms and those phases of sleep, which have really sort of modeled our approach to attacking and helping people get better sleep. Just a, a, what an incredible breakthrough that was. Yeah, um, actually. Um, so circadian rhythms and ultradian rhythms are different. And what you're referring to is the sleep stages and the changes or progression over the course of the night is an ultradian rhythm, which is within a day. And circadian rhythms is a day, uh, a, a rhythm of a full day. Um, and so um, the important thing there is the circadian effect affects one, our alertness, but also our response to training and our um, actual ability to perform at optimal levels. And of course, that fluctuates through the day. And there's a very uh, specific pattern of fluctuation of circadian. Basically, alertness is how we would term it. And there's a whole science behind that. And that affects cognitive um, functioning, which of course is critical to an athlete's performance. And we break it down, the cognitive factor, into memory, uh, concentration, learning, and then re brain recovery. So, for instance, sport-related concussion. Um, and that's how we would sort of look at the cognitive factors um, and relationship of sleep, per se, circadian differentials um, through the day, and then what happens in the sleep state. Yeah, no, very, very interesting stuff. This whole cyclical sort of system that we're involved in, it kind of takes away some of the urgency, don't you think? I mean, I see a lot of people, me included at certain times, get maybe a little panicky when when I miss a good sleep or I know I haven't gotten good sleep. The fact is we can make it up. It's all going to cycle around and there are strategies that we now know that can help us either make up that sleep debt or plan into the future as well, which I think is incredibly important. Yeah, and it is new. So in other words, the concept of sleep banking is relatively new and we definitely use it with athletes, but we have learned the most about sleep banking with shift workers um, because shift work in and of itself is a chronic state of sleep deprivation, just the nature of doing shift work. Forget the circadian rhythm aspects of it. In other words, being awake at a time when the brain wants to sleep in the middle of the night, having to do a job. Um, so we learn a lot and then we learn about strategies of manipulating um, recovery through sleep. So, you know, the idea that you have to get your eight hours at night is not necessarily true, but there is a limit to what you can do. You can't go day and day, uh, day in and day out without an adequate amount of sleep, for instance. So we always look at it as, getting your baseline amount of sleep, making sure it's good quality. And then as you lose sleep, keeping track of what you're losing um, over the course of a week and have a strategy for making that up with, let's say, strategic napping. Yeah, no, fascinating stuff. We're talking with Dr. Charles Samuels from the Center for Sleep and Human Performance. So two things there resonate with me. So um, when I was done high school, I went up to Northern BC to work in the sawmills to raise money and get money for a university. And um, so I got into the hardcore shift work, you know, and I've been part of shifts before, but it was all summer work and you go into school. And yeah. so, but that was my first immersion into eight hour um, graveyard nighttime shifts. And then the 12 hour yeah. shifts in the pulp mill where you do four day, right. four day work weeks um, or four days on four days mm -hmm. off. 
two, and we had what was called an unday in the middle. So yeah, you, you worked two day shifts, which was waking hours to nighttime hours. Mm-hmm. And then you had an unday where you would shift from day shift yeah. to night shift. Oh yeah. my goodness. What a turbulent time. I don't even think, well, I kind of knew back then it wasn't a good idea, but you know, with all the conversations we've had with you over the years, I'm starting to realize that is not a good way to go about things from a human performance standpoint. Well, you know what, actually, as you were describing it, I think I've captured what they did. They gave you uh, basically a day for transition and then you went to night shift. Is that right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. And that actually is a really good method. And it would have been a number of years ago. Um, I don't want to disclose your age. I don't know. But um, (laughs) when we really didn't know much about shift work, so that wasn't a bad strategy. But the problem was they didn't give you the skills to use that transition day. So what we have now in EMS, um, for instance, in fire um, in Calgary, they do do permanent 12-hour shifts. And it's two days followed by two nights and then four days off. That's sort of a typical routine. And and they, making the transition from days um, to nights is tough, but from nights to days is even worse for yeah. most people. Yeah. Um, and so without giving people the the um, skills to manage that middle day, of course, you're left just wandering in the wilderness trying to figure out what to do. Most people sort of make up their own strategy and usually it's counterproductive because they don't understand the science behind the way the brain sleeps. Yeah, well, I found going from day to nights were really difficult. I preferred being in the sawmills working uh, straight night shifts. I actually kind of got into a beautiful rhythm working nights. I had my days yeah. planned up, and that really, really uh, worked better for me personally. Uh, and that's, this was a while, a while back, but I still, boy, oh boy, have full, full respect for any shift workers out there. You know, Doctor Samuels, last last time you were on, we talked about the brains. Um, response and the importance of sleep in the brain. You know, we just talked about the importance of sleep for shift workers and that's for alertness and safety. And oh my goodness, it's it's such a, some of these um, work environments can be incredibly dangerous if you're not on your toes. And then we also talk mm-hmm. about performance in sport as well and the incredible role of sleep and performance. So I don't want to put you on the spot here, but if we look at all the issues society is facing today, all right. And, and this is sort of a, sidebar there's a crush sidebar everybody mm-hmm. heads up but I, but you really got me thinking <laughs> about a couple of couple of things here um you know we look at the the role of sleep in in the in metabolism as well the the obesity epidemic that's going on uh we talk about blood chemistry if we look at the health the, the incredible health benefits of sleep and then you know the impact it has on metabolism and, bo- and body composition I am I am just absolutely flabbergasted. This isn't a more major part of our medical systems and our medical delivery systems out there. Not to put you on the spot here, but but I, I'm just mm-hmm. really I'm really surprised at our lack of emphasis on sleep. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's that's important actually because I just prepared a talk on the weekend for the Department of Family Medicine for Friday. It's an annual conference. And um, we're just now in Canada really bringing to the forefront for primary care the concept of sleep health. So while it's shocking to you, it's not shocking. And I've been at this for 30 years almost um, since the early to mid-1990s. And in those days, no one really thought much that sleep 
really had any role in any legitimate medical health issues. Now it's very clear most primary care doctors want to learn more um, and they're asking for the education. So, of course, we're stepping up to it. But in my entire career, um, you know, it's not been at all mainstream in Canada, more so in the United States and Europe. And so we're a bit behind. Um, we tend to be much more conservative with new things, but the evidence is very straightforward. In fact, I, in the 90s, was working in obesity with colleagues from uh, endocrinology, and they resisted my uh, ideas about the importance of sleep based on very good research done at the University of Chicago that has now been repeated numerous times over with tremendous uh, confidence that there is a direct relationship between um, sleep um, and recovery through sleep and metabolism. So there's no, there's no argument now that if you disrupt sleep or you shorten sleep, it affects our body's use of energy. So, um, insulin secretion and utilize and, and glu glucose utilization are definitely affected by disturbed sleep. So, of course, diabetics are at risk. Um, general population in terms of um, uh, weight control is definitely affected. And you see this most in teenagers, actually. We have a tremendous obesity epidemic in um, uh, in in teens, one because of the lack of activity, and two because of the desperate uh, disruption of sleep through technology. Incredible, Dr. Samuels, and I guess you know that technology side of it is part of it as well. And not only that, you add in this uh, upside down crazy food chain that we've created, and man, oh man, mm -hmm. we are sitting on top of a massive massive problem well i can say this retribution for dr samuels here and i know it's been <laughs> happening over years but we'll put a shot across the bow to all those doubters here that, that that don't understand or don't believe or don't take the time to dig down a little bit and understand the importance of sleep yes in performance for sure but also in our health and wellness yeah and i think the other thing is in athlete populations and i've proven this over and over again with elite Olympic and national team athletes that sleep pays a big role in um, their ability to either bulk up or lose weight depending on their sport, which is critical in performance in um, elite athletics. I've had hockey players who were young trying to bulk up as they progress through their careers in advance because size plays a big role and those um, athletes that have sleep disturbance struggle to, um, you know, build mass. Um, through training, but also to pack on uh, weight from increased calories. And there's a direct relationship between sleep disturbance and your, your metabolism. And that must have to do, of course, with, uh, with the nighttime hormone responses. We know, again, that the, the night is such an incredibly important active time in the human body. And, and those hormones are raging as the body repairs and gets itself ready for another day. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and that's what, you know, in my early years of training that was looking at sleep stages and what happens to various aspects of the endocrinological um, pathways during, um, during sleep and different stages of sleep. And it was always traditionally believed that slow wave sleep or stages three and four in the old days um, would um, be the time when you would have the greatest um, release of growth hormone, which of course is important um, in terms of athletics, uh, and also the deepest sleep 
where you would recover and you would have your muscle repair, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so, and whereas REM sleep was believed to be more important for cognitive recovery, memory, concentration, learning, et cetera, those things have been advanced now. And again, sleep stages are an artificial breakdown of sleep. We have more refined methods for determining states of sleep now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, really interesting stuff. We're talking with Dr. Charles Samuel, Samuels from the Center for Sleep and Human Performance. And, and man, I could just see the cycle. In my mind, as we're talking about this, I can see the vicious cycle we get in. We have disrupted sleep. And what that conversation that uh, about teens or your mention of teens here just a few moments ago, man, that's really alarming to me because I'm seeing it even with our young athletes. And through this COVID yeah. time when activity has been basically mm-hmm. shut down, I'm really seeing it when you know I pass some of my athletes or some some kids from the school team. Uh, they've put on a few pounds, and it's going to be concerning. Yeah. But boy, oh boy, the influence of electronics in disrupting sleep. And then, of course, we yeah. have uh, the lack of sleep, which throws off metabolism and hormones. And then you get the next day uh, cravings and poor eating habits, and this cycle starts mm-hmm. to spin. And are we at a yeah. point where we're out of control? Or, Doctor Samuels, let me ask you this: How 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 difficult is it to get back once this thing is spun out of control? You know, what kind of effort is it going to take to get everything back on track for a person or a population? Well, let's just talk about individuals first. I, I think there's no question that all of this is reversible, whether it's a teen or an adult. So, um, and we see this every day in the clinic when, let's say, we have a patient with severe sleep apnea and we treat them. Um, we send them off for um, help with um, a very tightly controlled physician monitored weight loss program. You see tremendous success. Um, the success comes from normalizing the sleep, I would say, where their energy then comes back and then their motivation comes back and then they can stick to a routine that tends to be quite rigorous from a weight reduction perspective. So it requires that um uh, motivation and desire, which you lose when you're not rested. And so we see, you know, sleep is sort of the foundation to recovering that, but there's no question that it's reversible pretty much at any age. Um, if, if the basic mechanism of recovery sleep is restored to its normal state with the teenagers, it's really easy to correct the problem. It's not easy to motivate the team. <laughs> so those are two completely oh, different I, things. Yeah, I totally know. get that one for sure. Yeah. Cause if you get a teen rested, they'll do anything. You know, right. yep. if I have a teen come in, who's motivated and usually for instance, the hockey players are highly motivated. They'll pretty much do anything you tell them to do because they have a goal in mind and they're very goal oriented. And um, if they're struggling, they'll identify it as well. So unlike other teens, they'll actually own up to, you know, this isn't working for me and I need help with this. Yeah. yeah, Interesting. And you mentioned something I think that's pretty unique to the athlete population. And that is that sort of intrinsic, intrinsic internal drive, that goal orientated drive is so, so important. Mm -hmm. Would you think like maybe a 10-day sleep challenge would be enough to get people locked in? Would 10 days be enough, Dr. Samuels, do you think? And, you know, I've read some of the research out there, but would that be enough to, say, get somebody, let's say I'm in a situation where my sleep's been disrupted and I feel crappy in the day. And again, coming out of our last show, and again, I'll put the link to it. It was such a great, great point you made about, you know, when we're not sleeping well, 
we tend to, you know, do some of these things to, to mask it or cover it up. The caffeine, the energy drinks, the ephedrine and, and the Sudafeds, we mask it. So we're performing, as you mentioned, but we're not truly, truly recovering. What, what a 10 day sort of attack to reestablish sleep. Is that a reasonable time frame, or would we need something more? Well, I think actually it's a really good idea. I've never thought of that. <laughs> Um, and I think it's a great idea. And I, I would say, though, that um, the challenge should be 14 days and it should focus solely on getting more sleep. You know, just figure out how much you really need and get it. And that's a huge challenge for most people, because in North America, at least 30 percent of the population is running around with a 10 hour uh, per week sleep debt. And if they recover that 10 hours, they do notice a difference. Interesting um, stuff. Yeah, no. And how, how great would that be to, again, yeah. help people manage their days? Cause boy, oh boy, you know, so I have three daughters, so I've been through it. I've got some uh, close, close uh, uh, colleagues and friends who have younger children and I pray for them every day because, mm-hmm. <laughs> because <laughs> they're going, they're going through it, you know, busy jobs. Yeah. And they're dealing, of course, this madness of the COVID shutdown. And they're dealing with young kids who are now at home and, and don't have their outlets of their music or drama or sport or whatever, whatever it is they, right. they love to do. So yeah. how, how cool would it be to sort of come out of this COVID uh, shutdown craziness with maybe an incredible, maybe a little bit more knowledge on sleep and the power of sleep for you, your family, your friends, your teammates, but also maybe with an individual sort of idea and plan as well. That might be pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's a great idea. And uh, we at the Canadian Sleep Society in my term as president and many years on the board, um, those were the kinds of activities we thought a lot about, um, you know, what could we do to engage the population and something simple that has a payoff. It's immediate um, for those people who aren't getting enough sleep. They notice uh, when they're given permission to get more sleep because they don't have a sleep disorder, they're fine, you know, then they just notice the value of sleep. And that's what we, again, we don't really pay attention to the value of sleep. Yeah, yeah. And again, it goes back to that, that conversation we had last day, we already mentioned it here, but I can't help stop thinking about it is uh, you mentioned that, you know, sleep is just this thing that we just all sort of feel should happen naturally and take care of itself. But there are so many things now, um, biding for our time and actually yeah. on a marketing side, strategically trying to keep us awake and online yeah. and engaged yeah. that we're fighting an uphill battle here. Totally. And again, I mean, it's bad enough with adults, but it's so much worse with teenagers. They're just locked into their device and the device is consuming. It just takes away control over their life. And uh, it, it, I mean, that's not a small problem. No, no, it certainly isn't. We're talking with Dr. Charles Samuels from the Center for Sleep and Human Performance. You can check out their incredible information at centerforsleep.com. I'm really intrigued by this attack your sleep campaign. We may have to talk about a <laughs> collaboration here, Dr. Samuels, because sure. I, I really do like this kind of things. You know, it makes me think of some of the research that it's sort of you know, sort of got us thinking about things like the sleep extension studies coming out of Stanford, mm-hmm. where they took their athletes. Yeah. And, you, and like you said, and it's interesting how you said that gave them permission to sleep more. It was yeah. okay to sleep more. Incredible. Yep. Nope. That's all they needed. And um, um, I know Sherry Ma, and that was what raised her profile to the prominence she has today is the work she did at Stanford under um, Bill DeMent. 
and she's gone on now as to go to medical school and I think she's an internist but um, you know that was just a simple study that she did at the time and she did it all on her own and she just was lucky to have access to the athletes and she sort of created a simple protocol and it was just really giving the athletes permission to get 10 hours of sleep a night and and it showed very clear uh, direct correlation between their performance using and you you know useful simple metrics you know, serving accuracy for tennis players and shooting for basketball players, for instance, um, and their performances improved, uh, their speed improved. And so it's just simple stuff. And while there were many um, uh, concerns about the methods used in the study, it was it was a study that allowed us to, you know, really go forward in this domain of athletes and now it's built it's being built on her work is is being uh, repeated improved um, and there's no question that there are clear improvements when you allow athletes to get the sleep they need and my experience in dealing with the olympic athletes is you know they sleep is low on the priority yeah and it should be and again you've just mentioned something that is so important here that's part of the brain game and why why we're including sleep in our brain game series here our quest in the crush brain game is to try to um, um explore and highlight uh how important brain function is but the impact of sleep is not even in question i mean we cannot question we're just trying to maybe map that out what it looks like and how controllable it is but the idea is to really emphasize uh, um, um, an ur- not an urgency, but an importance maybe on how, Im- yeah. how important the brain and brain function is in everything we do. Leave alone sports science. We've been so reactive up until now. I still think we are much in the cognitive side. And this is beyond just sports psychology. This is beyond personality, decision-making, perception, learning, all of these things that neuroscience and the brain encompasses. And it's all influenced by sleep and sleep based on our conversations we've had with you, um, it's incredibly within our control. The other thing that's important to uh, Jeff that to remind people is if you just look at sport related concussion, we now um, have very clear evidence that if you go into the head injury with poor sleep, the outcome is worse. So one is also, it's a, it's a tool. It's um, it's, it's a tool to be used, you know, properly in other words don't don't disregard getting your rest because if you have an injury in this particular case head injury it could take longer to recover if you're not well rested and i'm actually giving a talk at the university of calvary sports medicine clinic um, head injury program to discuss how to use sleep um, one for prevention but two also in the recovery process of sport related concussion so there's a lot of work going on in that area too. Oh, fascinating stuff. And that is a very, very incredibly important area of study. And especially, you know, with major players like the NFL now behind mm-hmm. it, supporting it and pushing it forward. It's really raising the profile across the board. The NHL too is very involved. And the trickle down effect here is incredible because all of that information gets down to the grassroots, whether it's in the form of the simple scat form, but educating parents and coaches on signs and symptoms as well. But what we know about recovery is really turning into a fascinating adventure here. Yeah, no, for sure. 
you know, the role is huge. Yeah, it certainly is. You know, Dr. Samuels, we've had uh, Sherry Ma on the show before and, you know, expanding oh, yeah. on her work, you know, with um, um, the Center for or the uh, Sleep Extension Study. Stanford. Yeah, in Stanford. We also talked about her work with the NBA and looking at and predicting teams who would perform better based on their travel and their competitive schedules. <laughs> oh, boy. It was called the Ma score when she teamed up with ESPN and they had an incredible accuracy rate on determining who would win and who would lose. And I've often joked with Sherry that uh, to just give her family a warning, she might disappear for a weekend as we steal her off to Vegas to play the odds <laughs> <laughs> because um, she was one of the reasons I know the NBA actually went about changing their schedule, uh, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of helping athletes recover more. So two things there, of course, when I was with the blue Jays is as the uh, head strength and conditioning coach, I traveled with the team and those East coast, West coast swings, you know, two or three hours is all it is. It, you know, that's all the time difference there is, but boy, oh boy, what an impact it had on the guys. I could see it firsthand. It was incredible to me what those swings would do, but, but mm-hmm. even closer to this time, you know, you look at the NBA playoffs last year in the bubble, the feedback from the GMs, the coaches and the players about how the level of play was up, recoveries up, injuries were down, all because they weren't traveling, they had a greater schedule mm-hmm. and they were sleeping better. And that's one of the feedback straight from the players. It just makes yeah. so much sense. Yeah, no, we just actually had a paper published on NBA data, my postdoc. I'm just reading it right here. Um, so it's a hot topic. We have more refined data now on both NBA and uh, uh, NHL as well. And of course, we now have the pandemic, which, com- which completely changed for some um, leagues, uh, their, you know, their travel schedules, of course, uh, and that can have positive and negative effects depending on, you know, what was going on and whether they had an outbreak of COVID and all these other kinds of things. But um, so that, that work is ongoing. And uh, the the data that my postdoc used was massive in analyzing um, direction of travel, uh, win loss, et cetera. And we continue to do more work in that area as well. Yeah. Oh, so important. So important. And I'm just still flabbergasted that, uh, you know, that that sleep isn't a more major part of our, our, our medical side. So it's really encouraging to hear that the doctors are getting involved because, you know, it's just, it's all out there. I wonder, there's got to be great studies out there looking at body composition and sleep habits and probably even injury rates on the workforce mm-hmm. or even driving injury rates. I know yep. you and I, a few years ago, had an absolute fascinating conversation around the daylight savings time and the incidence of, yep. of workplace and automobile accidents. Yeah. Yeah. So there's actually, StatsCan did a very good study just looking at, in, for instance, insomnia and injury rates. And there's a a good correlation uh, between those who experience insomnia and have work-related accidents. Um, And so these things are pretty well established now that, um, and of course, that's what drives us to um, focus on what we call sleep health, because it's really preventative. Um, And, you know, with with athletes who are traveling, what we're trying to do, I reviewed this weekend a consensus statement on managing travel fatigue and jet lag in elite athletes. So that'll get published in the British Journal of Sports Medicine um, in the near future. And really, we're trying to give teams and coaches the tools to manage something very complex by 
one, preventing problems, and two, having very clear strategies for managing uh, how how athletes will overcome factors of travel fatigue and jet lag because they are related to poor performance and injury um, in athlete populations. So there's tremendous amount of work going on in all of these areas. And I think I sent you the one paper, the consensus statement on sleep, and then there'll be a consensus statement on travel. And um, I think those two will form a new foundation in sport um, for addressing the sleep issues, planning future research, et cetera. Oh, I'll look forward to that link as well. Yeah, you did send me that. And we're going to post that link along with uh, the podcast uh, from our Brain Game series and this one as well. So fascinating stuff, Dr. Samuels. Well, listen, I, I mm-hmm. appreciate your time today. You get us thinking about uh, so many great <laughs> things that, you know, how, how, could a, how could a normal person ever know this stuff? I mean, you just don't have the time or the wherewithal to read the medical journals. So having uh, experts like yourself come on the show to talk shop is just so, so enlightening for the parents for the coaches, for the athletes out there, and also for the employers. I mean, if I was an employer, I would be really looking at this, the the support of my employees in, in this area, and even if it's just simple education. Yeah, and that's what we focus on is education, um, just so people have the tools and then they can go learn more if they choose to do so. Okay, Dr. Samuels, well, listen, I think we've opened up a can of worms here, the Attack Your Sleep <laughs> campaign. I'm going to be all over you guys about this one. <laughs> you've got the, okay. you've got the uh, creative juices flowing here, that's for sure. Okay, great, that's great. Great, so, Dr. Yeah. Samuels. Hey, thank you so much for this one. Fantastic conversation once again. My pleasure as always. Okay, there you go, everybody. I'm digging this. Imagine a 14-day sleep challenge. Imagine getting all the crushers out there involved in a sleep challenge. Imagine the people we might be able to help or the data we might be able to collect to help everybody just get better at this crazy thing called sleep and rest and recovery. I'm going to, I'm really going to put some thought into this. I'm going to see if we can't make this happen sometime, maybe this summer when things are a little slower for everybody. Okay. So I'm going to stay in touch with Dr. Samuels and his team over there at the Center for Sleep and Human Performance. And we're going to see if we can't put something together, what it would look like. If you have any ideas, thoughts, or suggestions, get to us. Check out the new website, jeffcreshell.com. Crushperformance.com will still get you there. Write to us, info at crushperformance. We'll uh, get to our inbox and we can exchange ideas and thoughts there for sure. Direct message me on Twitter or uh, on other social media platforms. Search out Crush Performance. But I really do like this. What a fascinating conversation right there with Dr. Samuels, talking about the rhythms, talking about what's going to help us sleep, what doesn't help us sleep, right? So much great information right there. I hope you guys really got a lot out of that conversation. I sure did. Boy, I'm telling you, I got three, four pages of notes right here. I think it's really important for everybody to know and understand the stages of sleep and how important they are, the light sleep, the deep sleep, the dream sleep, and what happens in each one of those cycles. But it's really important to understand that broken sleep isn't necessarily an end game for you. I'm a broken sleep guy. And as Dr. Samuel said, you know, it's okay to have broken sleep as long as you're getting the required sleep that you need. I do fall back asleep. Some nights it takes a little bit longer than others, but most nights I fall back asleep pretty readily. And, you know, I'm, I'm a seven to eight hour guy per night still. And so I really do shoot. And on those days or nights that I don't get that much sleep, I don't stress about it. I will work in a nap if I can. And again, 30 minutes between 2 and 4 p.m. is is great. 
15 to 30 minutes is what we like to shoot for, for sure. Um, but I'll go to bed earlier the next night. Consistent wake times, I think, are another really, really important message here. But don't stress out if you're not getting that continuous sleep, okay? And one of the strategies that we use with our athletes, and we kind of mention it here, is you know we try to block their sleep over a week-long period. It's really important. So depending on how much sleep you need per night, and everybody might be a little bit different. You can figure out how much sleep you need. But listen, if you're not getting at least seven hours, I think you're kind of shorting yourself seven hours a night or seven hours a day, if that includes a nap or whatever, right? But I think six, five, five and a half, six might not be enough. It could be for some people, but I think for performing athletes, you know, we've got to be in that seven, eight, nine range. And for younger athletes, sometimes even more. Don't be afraid to sleep and protect your sleep, right? But I think the problem that, that we get into is when we have broken sleep where we can't get back to sleep or if we're simply cutting ourselves short, not getting to bed early enough to get enough sleep. When those two things accumulate, that's when we run into trouble. I think another really important thing that was mentioned in this conversation with Dr. Samuels is the idea of sleep disturbances as being part of the athlete's life. It's part of being an athlete. You're training hard. You're a little stiff. You're a little sore. You're a little wound up because of competition. And that's why sleep and sleep strategies become maybe even more important for those athletes who are getting set for a big competition or they're training hard and they have muscle soreness and muscle stiffness that might be disrupting their sleep. It's part of the program. It's part of being an athlete. So addressing it becomes even more important. Such great stuff here. So I want to thank Dr. Samuels for that one. It really does set us up here as we uh, head into the spring and summer. And I think hopefully we can take some of this information and apply it to our daily lives. Have confidence in your sleep program and how you sleep. And if you don't, hey, let us know. We might be able to help out. Okay? All right. That'll do it for this week, everybody. Hey, coming up in the next few weeks, as we head into baseball season, we're going to talk about preparing for the game of baseball. It is one of the most challenging sports out there. Do not be deceived. It might not look like there's a lot going on in a baseball game, but there's special things about the game of baseball that make it one of the most challenging sports to train for. And I'm telling you, that throwing motion, it's not only one of the most complex movements in all of sport. If it's not managed properly, it quickly becomes one of the most dangerous motions in all of sport. And I think that's one of the reasons we're seeing such an incredible rise, continued rise, in the injuries in the game of baseball. And hockey season's coming to an end. What are we looking for in a summer program for a hockey player who loves the game? All right, we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to be bringing in some of the world's top experts on both of those topics. The war and sugar and the science of sweetness will continue as well. So we've got a bunch of great episodes coming up as we head into the spring and summer here. Okay, everybody, that's it for today. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, check out the new website, jeffkershell.com. Let us know what you think. And share this episode with your teammates, your fellow coaches, your parents. This is a very important conversation if we're going to help push human performance forward. Okay, that's a wrap. Get out there. Have a great week, everybody. Get a little bit better. And remember, we're here to help you think like an athlete. Goodbye now. Don't forget to ride. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. 
If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com.